Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. We serve at North Udawa in the kids' ministry department. And I think for us, one of our favorite verses is 1 John 4, 19. We love because He first loved us. And um, I think for Josh and I, it's um, one of our common commonalities, if you will, um, in Jesus' is we love people. We have a genuine love for people, and we love to serve people in whatever capacity. And at North Udawa, it's at the guest services team, and just being able to build those relationships and just loving on them. And one thing that that's turned into is um, is now of our four children all want to get involved, and so they serve some mornings. They're they're opening up doors or checking someone in as they come in the in the door and walking them to class. Oftentimes, and just seeing their involvement and wanting to get involved, and it's just been really cool to see how God's worked through through them to to get involved with that. Yeah, and it's just it's so much more than just working on a Sunday. You know, it's building those relationships. It's building that community that we love and we love our family being a part of so much every Sunday. Amen. Amen. There's great testimony of people serving. Um, welcome, guys. It's good to see you. I'm grateful for you. Um, if you're joining us online, podcast, or our app, thank you as well for being with us today. Um, at this time, I just want to Invite everyone here, or if you're watching or online, if you could get out your Bibles, um, get out your Bibles, or you can open a Bible app, and I want us to turn to the book of Romans, which is in the New Testament. We're going to pick up today in chapter 12, verse 3. We're going to go through verse, from verse 3 to verse 8, and um, we're continuing in this series that we've entitled To Gather, and in this series, what we're doing is we're talking about the importance of the gathering of the church, the gathering of the church, and the importance, the assembly of the saints. Um, you could say theologically, this is what you might call the doctrine of the church. And so um, we've looked at a lot of different aspects of the church, um, but today we are going to look at um, another little specific facet of the church, and that is spiritual gifts. Today we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. Um, before I even begin to talk about spiritual gifts, I do want to say something just so we can all kind of think about this, because I don't know if we all think about this. We're blessed here. We're blessed here in many ways, but we're blessed because we have such a diversity of people in their spiritual walks. And so there are some here today who the Lord has saved in the last six months, and when I say we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't got that far in the Bible yet. And um, hopefully, and the, my prayer is that you will learn a lot from this and get some insight, and you can do some further reading and understanding. Others of you have been Christians for a while, but um, you don't, you've heard of spiritual gifts, and so when we go through this, you might have different questions than someone who has just become a new believer, but nonetheless, the Scripture is sufficient to answer and meet your needs as well. And then by God's grace, we have some seasoned saints here, some who have walked a long time with the Lord and They've heard many sermons, messages on spiritual gifts. They probably know their spiritual gifts, and I imagine they're using their spiritual gifts. But once again, the text is sufficient. But I do want us to understand, by God's grace, our family is diverse. 
It's diverse in our spiritual walks. It's diverse in our ethnicity and our makeup and our backgrounds and our culture. So keep that in mind as we're going through this. Um, So I'm going to begin really on a base level talking about spiritual gifts by just defining what a spiritual gift is. Spiritual gifts, and this is a definition I've kind of come up with, are supernatural abilities that God gives to every believer at salvation, and he gives them to you for the purpose of service in the church. And so that means the ability comes from God, and it's given to you to do a work for God. And so that's kind of the grand understanding, the big, broad understanding of spiritual gifts. So this is what happens, man. By God's grace, God saves you. You repent, you believe, and then you are made new. Theologically, that's called regeneration. God the Spirit indwells you. You're forgiven of your sins. Christ's righteousness is imputed to you. You're adopted into the family of God, man. We talked about that last week, and there's many other gifts that you are given at salvation, And one of those gifts is spiritual gifts. One of those gifts is spiritual gifts that we're talking about here. Every Christian receives a spiritual gift or gifts, and it's given to you for the common good of the church to help each of us prepare to do works and service so that the church, specifically if you're at this church, so that this church, Silverdale Baptist Church, will be built up. That's the purpose. That's why you got them, right? And you, you, don't, you don't get to choose your spiritual gifts. I mean, when God saved me, he did not roll out a list of things that might be available to me and say, Travis, you can pick and choose. No, God said, I'm going to divinely distribute the gifts as I see fit. And we all receive some. In other words, I would say it like this. For the church to work properly, I'm sorry, For this church specifically to work properly, God has designed that all the gifts that he has given us must be engaged and to be utilized. And if the gifts that God has given to this church and to us as a family of believers are not all being used, it means that we are not being able to function as we should. Here's a earth, this is an example um, Here's an example kind of from my own home, but um, let's pretend like it's not. All right. So let's suppose you're a dad, all right? And let's suppose you got two kids. And let's suppose at your house, there's only one iPad, all right? And that, once again, I don't know where this would happen, but let's suppose that one iPad caused some division in the household. What could be done about that? Well, there's several things that could be done about it. You could do something like this. You could gift one of the children the iPad, and then you could gift the other child the power cord, all right? Now, in order for the iPad to work as it is intended to work, you got to work together. Now, from the outside, someone might very well come in and say, hey, the child that received the actual iPad received the greater gift, but they could not be more incorrect, right? Because without the power cord, that iPad is just, what, a paperweight, right? Likewise, man, church, Silverdale, each one of you have been given a gift, if you're a believer, by God. He distributed as he saw fit, and he wants us to use them to build this church up. And if we're not using them, you suffer, we suffer. So let's 
talk about this. I, Romans 12, starting in verse 3, we're going to see three ways we should be using our gifts individually. This is for each of us. So we all have them, but how should we be using them? So let's just walk through it. We're going to walk through the text We're going to learn these three ways that each of us who possess, if you're a Christian, a spiritual gift for the benefit of the body, how should we be using them? Romans 12, verse 3. First thing you're going to see, you can follow along in your outline if you want to do that. First thing is this. You've got to use your spiritual gift with the right attitude. Attitude. All right, let's begin. Verse 3. Here's what Apostle Paul says to the Romans. For by the grace given to me, real quick, Paul begins by reminding us that the basis for everything worthwhile that a Christian has and a Christian does from salvation to service, it's all grace continuing, I say to everyone among you. Let's pause, let's talk about that. I want you to notice specifically the word everyone. Everyone. No exception, no exclusions. It means the Lord has given everyone, every Christian, spiritual gift or gifts from the newest believer to our oldest believer in the house today. We've all been given spiritual gifts. He has divinely distributed them. We all have them. If you're a Christian, you got a spiritual gift. We see that and they'll be used here. Let's continue the last part of verse 3. This is instruction. That's good. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So these two, this verse here is so God-saturated, like every part of it, right? We have all been graced spiritual gifts, meaning you did not merit it, meaning I did not merit it or earn it, and it's been given, we've already told, for our common good, and now now we're given a command. We're given a warning. I mean, we we got this gift. We got the gift, right? It's a grace. What's the warning? Do not think more highly of yourself than you should because of the gift that you have received. But instead of thinking of yourself too highly, he says, no, do this. Do this instead. Here's his instruction. Think of yourself with sober judgment not just judgment but sober judgment and I'm like that sounds good that that sounds good but my question is this what exactly does it mean to think of myself with sober judgment right I mean told to have it but what does it mean broadly sober judgment means to think in your in one's right mind Make an accurate assessment of yourself. In other words, man, make a right, make a, make a right assessment. Like, 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 don't overdo it, don't underdo it. Make an accurate assessment. Here's the deal. Every one of us, we're really good. It's really easy to make an accurate assessment about the man or the woman sitting next to you right now. We can all do that. And we do. Well, that's really hard, man. It's very difficult to make an accurate assessment of yourself. We've got blinders, we've got all sorts of things going on, but we're commanded to do it. Now, in my life, I have found that there are two ways people tend to err in their assessment of themselves. Two ways. There's kind of two, two sides of the spectrum. One is 
overestimation. You know what I'm talking about? You overestimate the abilities that God has given you, and that leads to pride. You get puffed up. I'm puffed up. But you can also think incorrectly about yourself by underestimating. You underestimate your abilities, and that leads to despair. So you kind of got that going on. You got some pride. You got some despair. Um, well, I'm going to give you two. I'm, I'm going to. I want to give you an example of each. An example of each. And it's actually played out in this very room. Both these examples. I'm quite certain that neither one of these examples are here today. And I apologize if you are. <laughs> First is overestimation. Overestimation. Here's how it went down. I once had a person right after a message, and I'm exiting, and they, they come down, and, and, and they grab me, and they have this intense look in their eye, and they proceed to tell me that they got the gift of discernment, right? I found it curious because they did not at that time discern that this was not an appropriate time to tell me about their gift of discernment. Whatever. But they continue. And they give me a list of all the things over their life that they have accurately discerned. Pride. A lot of pride. A lot of pride. A lot of, you know, I did this, I did this. And if what they were telling me was correct, it was a pretty impressive list. All right? But then the conversation paused and they look right, they go right in my eyes, you know, right in my eyes. And they said this. They said, I have discerned something about you. <laughs> All right, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. And so this is what they said to me. And it was just right over here. They said, they said, I have discerned that you have a problem with or struggling with a relationship. They told me the name of the person that they thought I was having a struggle with. That's what they told me. They said, this person right here, I have discerned that you're struggling and have a problem with them. Just so happened that the only person I had a problem with, once again, at that time, was that person right in front of me telling me that I need, you know what I'm saying? And the interesting thing was this, everything they told me was absolutely incorrect. In fact, later the next day, I went to that person and said, someone said they discerned this, am I missing something? No, I wasn't. It was my friend, someone I loved deeply, someone I was a, laughed with, and we were really tight. Everything that person told me was absolutely incorrect. That is an extreme example of overestimating the gifts that you have. But there's a flip side to that, and I think this is something that many of us probably struggle with, and that is underestimation, right? Maybe God, when he saved you, he gave you a specific gift. He did, but maybe that specific gift was, I say, ah, teaching. And you know that. And then later, and maybe you're, in, you're, maybe you're in church or whatever, and God lays on your heart, and you, I want you to start a small group. I'm going to start a small group. And then you say, time out, God. I can't do that. You're asking the wrong person. It's not me, right? And I think probably many of you have been in a similar situation. Even, maybe even today you're sitting there and you know you have a gift and you know God's asking you to exercise it and you're sitting there and you're saying, I can't do it, God, you've messed up. I, I'm not the person. Let me tell you something. When you do that, when you do that, that is an indictment on God. 
You're in, say, God, I think you made a mistake, God. I don't think you were accurate in your estimation of me. I know I got the gift. I hear you asking me, but what you don't understand is I don't want to do it. I don't have the ability. And God says, no. Let me, tell, let me tell you something. God, this is for me personally. God has never asked me to do something that I initially said, oh, I can do that. Never. I'm talking about even, even, even right now. You don't, man. But I'm going to tell you something. If God has saved you and God has given you the gift of hospitality and then God asks you to exercise that gift, you got to say, okay, okay. Because you do have the ability, not in and of yourself, but of God the Spirit indwelling you. Make a sober assessment of yourself. So what's the right attitude to have? Here's what I would say. This is in your outline as well. The right attitude is confident humility. Confident humility. I am confident in the God that saved me. I am confident in the calling he gave me, and I'm going to follow and use it, but I'm going to do it in humility because I know I'm human, and I know that gift was from him, and I know that he carries and sustained me. We all got gifts. Every believer here, you got a gift. Use it with confidence but with humility. First thing we saw was use with the right attitude. Second thing, we're going to keep walking through the text, use it in the right relationship. We, Paul goes from talking about us individually to talking about our family. Paul's going to use an illustration. I'm going to read verse 4 and 5 here. And, and as I read this, once again, most of you, many of you, will be familiar with this. This is, this is pretty common illustration, but let me just read it. Verse 4 and 5. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So that's kind of a talking about the human body. So we, church, this is us. So we, ch- we're talking about us right here. So we, church, Though many, there's many of us, we are what? One body in Christ, and we are individually members one of another. So you got these two kind of pictures going on here. This is good stuff. I want to briefly take a a rabbit trail here because this sometimes gets under my skin, and this is a perfect time for me to um, just taste this rabbit. Real quick, real quick, real quick, one word. Notice the word members. He says it two times. He says, member or membership. I want you to understand the word membership is a biblical word. I'm bringing it out because I run into people from time to time who says church membership is not biblical. And I'd like to tell them you could not be more incorrect. All right? Ten times at least it's implied. This here twice, two times, two times, two times stated. You are to be a member of a church. It's their body church. All right? So here's the question. What does it mean to be a church member? I got a definition here. I'm going to build on this because I want you to understand this. A church membership, here's my definition. Church membership is the commitment of a Christian to be identified and involved in a local body of believers. That's a church who corporately together pledge themselves to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's membership, all right? So Paul takes that. So Paul takes that. That's a membership. He takes the church as a body membership, and he compares it to the body, physical body, all right? Two things, you got, we got that, we, I want to draw out. Two concepts 
that I think are important here. First is the concept of attachment, all right? Once again, this is pretty common, and I know you're going to understand this. It's, it's straightforward, and you've read this stuff, but your physical body, our physical body, is connected to other parts of our body. You've got your hand, your fingers, your wrist, your elbow. They're all connected. Now, anytime any one of these members of my body, my physical body, is disconnected, we got an emergency, right? You all know it. I mean, this is not, this is not, this is not what, uh, rocket surgery, you know? I don't know. It's not, right? You call emergency, it's disconnected. Likewise, it is inconceivable in the mind of Christ to have an unattached Christian. I would say if you are a Christian and you're not attached to a local body, call that 911, you got an emergency. So that's the first concept, Christian. I want you to understand that according to this text. Now, I'm not making this stuff up. According to the text, attachment is involved, a membership in a local body. Second, there is also involvement. It's, in, it's involvement. In other words, let me say this. In other words, in the natural world, you can have a body part that is attached to the body, but it is not functioning appropriately, right? And when that happens, what do you do? You wake up in the morning, my hand can't move. What you going to do? You're going to call, you're going to doctor. Something's wrong, right? It's not healthy. It's not normal. It's, if you can be attached and not work. Um, I don't know, five years ago, I forget. Years start running together to me because I'm getting older. I don't know. But about five years ago, I broke my collarbone. Got my collarbone. Yeah, I was, being a knuckle, I was doing goofy stuff, but I broke it. And my arm is still attached. It's still attached, but I couldn't move it. It would not work effectively. It wouldn't work right. In fact, I, ha- I couldn't take my shirt off. I had my shirt cut off, all of that, right? So being a part of a body that you have to be attached and you have got to be involved. If any of my physical body parts are not attached and they're not involved, you got a problem. Likewise, Paul is, is comparing to the church, Christian in the spiritual world. If you are not attached or involved with a body of believers, something is wrong. Something's wrong. I believe God calls every believer to a particular church for a particular reason to perform a particular function. I'll say that again. God calls every believer to a particular church for a particular reason to execute a particular function. And if you're not attached to the church, you're not functioning in the church. You cannot execute the particular function God has designed for you. You get hurt, and I tell you what, I get hurt. The body gets hurt. If you're a believer, you're going to be in the body, and you're going to be functioning for the benefit of the whole body. And I want to say, I, want to, I really want to push into this because I, I want you to understand, I believe there's broader indica- uh, um, implications here. I believe, Christian, your fellowship with a local body of believers is an indication of the level of your fellowship with God. I say that now, so, well, that's kind of strong, man. That's kind of strong. But follow out the logic of the text. Follow out the logic of what the Scripture teaches. If my hand is disconnected from my body, it means that it's disconnected from my head. 
my head has very little influence over a hand that's been connected, disconnected from it. In order for the hand to get benefit of the head, they got to be connected. Now apply that to the body, what we know about the spiritual body of Christ. Who is the head of the church? Jesus. If you are connect, disconnected from the body, then you're not going to get a benefit of the head, which is Jesus. I think there's many believers out there who are out of fellowship with the church and therefore also out of fellowship with God. Or they could say it this way, their fellowship with God is not what it ought to be, what it should be, and the reason why is they're out of fellowship with the body. So what's the right relationship to use our gifts? The right relationship is in the body. This is in your outline as well. The right relationship is in the body. Those gifts are not given to you to exercise for your own amusement. It's interesting, it's interesting, it's interesting. Each one of you, I know this is going to sound more self-serving, but each one of you has been given a gift for my benefit, and I've been given gifts for your benefit. We've all been given gifts for our benefit, and the church is built up when we use them. All right. Third thing, use your gifts for the right reasons. Going to read verses six, seven, and eight. Here we go. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us, Christian, use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so we'll stop there. So Paul lists um, seven specific gifts. I want you to understand that's not a complete list. Corinthians 12 gives a few more. Some people try to add all the gifts up mentioned in the Bible, and they come up with there's 12 gifts. Some say there are 19 gifts. Let me tell you my personal position on that. I do not think all the gifts available to the church are listed in the Bible. The Bible doesn't claim to be a complete list of gifts. And so I'm not going to go through all seven of those gifts. You can do a further study at another time. But what I want to specifically look at is the reason. And we got gifts. What is the right reason to use them? And to do that, we've got to go back to verse six. Let me read verse six to you. You can see this one. This is, I want to just sit on this. We're going to study this first. This will be the last verse we look at. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. First, notice the word differ. Differ. Our, our gifts are different. They're all of equal value, all of equal necessity, but they are different. We got di- I would say our spiritual gifts are as unique as our, our fingerprints are unique make up the body we got so they are different then notice the word once again grace given do you see that theme grace given so we see that God doesn't want us to serve because he tells us to God wants us to serve because of the grace that he has given us that means to me the more you understand grace the more you um, appreciate grace the easier it is is going to be to serve but I want to end I want to look at those last two words let us, what? Use them. Verse six, use them. Use them. 
I gave them to you. God says, says, I gave them to you. Use them. Use them. Use them to build up this church. This church. This service. Use them. Paul says, use them. You got them? Use them. Use them. Use them. Use them. Use them to build up the church, this body of believers here. Now, I want to answer a few questions. That uh, One question specifically that um, you may not ask, but I think needs to be answered. Some will say something like, maybe some of you say something. This is a general question. General question people might ask or say, ah, you know, man, I know I got gifts. I tell you, or I don't know I got gifts. I don't, you know, you're saying, I don't know the gifts I have. Here's what I'm going to do. When God shows me, right, what gift I have, then at that time, I will engage my gift. I, listen, I'm just waiting for God to show me. Now, that sounds logical, right? It, to a degree, with our own. It sounds, when God identifies, when God shows up, when God tells me, when God convicts, at that point, I'm going to start using the gift. But here's the deal. Biblically, it does not work that way. It doesn't. There's biblical examples, and I'm going to share a personal example with you, but biblically, Moses, Moses is a great example. God, I'm paraphrasing here, by the way, but, but, but God shows up and says, Moses, I want you to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses like, ah, you got to be kidding. Listen, God, God, you got the wrong guy. He's underestimating his abilities, right? You got the wrong guy. God, God says, don't worry, Moses. Just be obedient. Do what I've asked you to do. Be obedient. Moses obeys. Moses goes. Moses does what God had asked him to do. And then what happens? Moses discovers he got the ability to call down plagues. Right? Through God. It was God giving him the ability. He did not know that until he actually started obeying and doing. Just what Paul says, use them, use them, right? He didn't know the power he had until it was in the middle of his service to God. He obeyed, God revealed. And I've seen it. You obey, God reveals. And as you're working, as you're serving, as you're volunteering, God will show you how he has uniquely gifted you. Personal story. Um, so, man, I've been married 27 years. And um, when my wife married me, she did not know that God was going to call me to be a pastor. Um, we both found that out in time. And so, um, married a couple of years, called the ministry. We went to the mission field. God called us into missions. We're in Dar es Salaam, a predominantly um, Islamic Muslim background, and there's this, a church plant, and we're a part of it. I loved it, loved it, I loved it, I loved it. But they needed someone to preach. And God asked me, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know. I did not know. I'm like, well, I don't know. How bad can I be, you know? Speaking in Swahili, whatever, you know, we'll do it. We'll do it. It was in the midst of doing it. My wife will tell you the same thing, that the calling 
The calling probably happened prior to, but I felt the heavy hand of God. One time a guy told me, maybe he was a friend, I doubt it. (laughs) He told me something like this. He goes, Travis, you're preaching all the time. You're doing all these things. You know there's guys who can preach better than you. And I said, I do. I want you all to understand here, I've never claimed to be a good preacher. I only claim to be called, right? And I, by God's grace, I will keep doing it. But you got gifts too. You got gifts too. And you very well could sit there and say, I'm not the best person to serve in the nursery or to, real quick, Dustin back here on the camera. Dustin started going to silver, he started coming to this service. He started coming to this service. And everybody's looking at you, what's up? You, I better look good in that camera, man. I showed up one day and he's back there and I go, Dustin, what are you doing? He goes, well, last week you talked about service and so I'm here serving. Some new people back doing some other, um, some of the media stuff. And you can very well sit there. He could very well sit there and say, you know, I'm really good sitting in front of the TV. I've never been behind the camera but God's using him, and God will use you. What's the right reason? Final thing in your outline, the right reason is to build up the church. That's why. That's why you got gifts, to build up the church. And for this church to work and function as God has so designed it to, we've got to all be using our gifts, or else we can be like the iPad with no It's a cool-looking iPad, got a great-looking iPad, got no power, got no power. We've got to be working together. And so, you may ask yourself, okay, I want to get involved. I want to do something on a rotation. I want to get involved. I want to use my gifts. I want to find out my gifting. How can I do that? So, glad you asked. I'm going to let you know. There's several ways that we do this. Um... You can go online to silverdalebc.com backslash serve. I think we have it up here. Um, We have it, maybe we do. Yeah, there we go. And um, the other thing you can do is this. On your way out the doors, if you go to the hub, the hub is right out there, there's going to be some individuals there, and they're going to have a little card like this. And if you want to, you can talk to them, but you can put your first name down, you can put your last name down, you can put your phone number down, you can put someone else's name down, you know, I'll call them. And then put to the best of, and they will help you, they'll answer questions you have out there. But just say, to the best of your ability, what's an area of service that you might be interested in? You can put your email down too. They're gonna collect them, they're gonna come to me, and we're gonna sort through them, we're gonna call you, and we're going to do the best we can to get you plugged in in some capacity. Use your gifts, guys. Use your gifts. Use your gifts. Use your gifts. Now, I will end this way. You may be sitting here today or watching or listening, and you say, I can't know my gifts because I don't even know Jesus. And there's some who have been here and maybe here even right now, In order to do that, all you have to do, repent of your sins and call on Christ Jesus to save you. Save me. Save me. Repent 
and believe. And he saves you. And he regenerates you. He gives you God the Spirit. He gives you, he gives you eternal life. You're, you have right now, you're adopted. This is your spiritual family. And he's going to give you some gifts. He's going to give you some spiritual gifts to work out here because we need that gift. I love it. I love it. I love it. Gonna, oh, so I got a spiritual gift. Good, we need it. Let's pray, church. Father God, thank you. You are the giver of good things from salvation to service. I pray that we would be a people who serve. Serve this body for your glory, for our good, and for the benefit of the city and the world around us. We ask this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, man. At this time, we're going to continue, and we're going to have just a time of response. And so just in a moment, I will ask you to stand if you can, and um, we're going to sing. And as we're singing, just reflect upon what God might have laid on your heart. If God's telling you. So here's what's happened. I think God has told some of you, go out and fill out a card. And you may be thinking, I really want to just get out of here. Don't do that. Just go give me your name, man. We'll get in contact with you. But maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. Come talk to me. Maybe you just want to come down to this altar right here. I'm sorry, I'm going to say something. I hope I don't um, say something I ought not say. Um, two weeks ago, uh, a member of this service came down here and he prayed for a specific thing. doesn't always work this way, but that specific thing is here today. And so, it's Jesus. So we ask. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They are about to enter the darkest moment in history and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.